Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Librocube. That was different. Uh, today, my friends, is Book Bow Wednesday. When you tell your friends about Book Bow Wednesday, you're really going to want to hit those bees both in Book and Bow Wednesday. At the top of every show, I give a spoiler warning, which is what this is. A spoiler warning. I will spoil the bejesus out of this book. Buh, buh, buh. So please take heed of this warning. Have no regard for the amount of heed that I have. I have plenty of heed, so take lots and lots of heed. Please. I plead that you take lots of heed. That said, all of those things will take us into our last piece of podcast-related business, which is today's sponsor, which is the Sword of Day and Night Gay Interracial Wedding Chapel. Once again, today's sponsor is the Sword of Day and Night Gay Interracial Wedding Chapel. Thank you for that entity for sponsoring this entity. Entity. It's fun to say. Uh, today I have, if you can believe it, we've finally done it. I'm using the podcast we, and the we in the sense, if you've listened along for with all these Book of Wednesdays of David Gemmel's Renee series, we finally reached the last book. We've done it. We've done it. How many books was that? Was that nine or ten it, it was a lot of books, and they were long books. Really long. Uh, the final book in the series, or in the saga, I prefer calling it the, the Drenay saga. It sounds better than series. Because it was a saga, for sure. An epic saga. I would even go so far as to say. The final book in the series, Sword. I always want to say Sword. I know, I know that's not right, but it's fun to say it like that, because there's a W in it. Sword of Night and Day by David Gemmel. I've already mentioned David Gemmel. I loved these books. This was a great, great series. There's something about a fantasy series when it is good that uh, I don't know if I'm alone in this, if I'm insane in this, but when I have a really good fantasy series on the go like this, it just seems to make everything better. Like, I mean, the rest of your life the time you're not spending reading also seems better for the reading of these books. I've had uh, periods of my life where uh, super, super depressed, suffering from, (laughs) I hate that saying, but suffering from depression, uh, just to degrees where medication and drastic steps were taken, let's just say, and uh, one of the main things that helped me get through those times were fantasy series. 
such as this. So thank you to writers to, for writing these incredibly long and complicated seeming to write things. Yay you. Yay you. Uh, if you listened to my last Book Wednesday, uh, you will know that this series, in its second-to-last book, introduced the new character of Skilganon, and he's back. Better than ever? Maybe a little bit. A little bit better. Or the same as ever, at, at the very least. This whole series very different, and this is something I think I've mentioned every single time, but I'm going to mention again, just in case this is, is your first time listening to me talk of this series on a book Wednesday, and that is that the series jumps around as far as time is concerned. Which means, and this was one of the reasons I think I love this, this series, is that you can sort of jump around, read uh, a couple of books, or as I, I, I think I did, I followed the formula of read three books in the series, and then read a couple of books not in the series. Three books, and then a couple of not in the series. Three books, and now I'm done. <laughs> so, uh, because each book, for the most part, could stand alone, you could do that. This book took the sort of extreme of that idea and jumped ahead 1,000 years into the future. So a uh, very, very crazy idea. How do you have the same characters in the same universe and yet jump 1,000 years into the future of this world? Well, uh, cloning. It's never outright called cloning in the book. The, uh, the clones are called reborn, but uh, it's cloning for all intents and purposes. Uh, and there's kind of two types of clones within. They're, they're all called reborn, but some of them are just, say you take some of my DNA, and then a thousand years you clone a replica of me, but uh, the replica is going to be different. It's not going to have my same personality, right? It's going to be grow up with its own experiences and end up different than myself. However, there is also the potential, and this is where this is a fantasy novel, so they're allowed to do this, the potential that uh, certain people, sorcerers, that's not accurate, 100% saying sorcerers, but yeah, somewhat accurate, Sorcerers can travel into the underworld. Again, I'm, I'm just sort of using words that will make sense to anyone. might be a little differently phrased in the book itself. So a sorcerer will travel to the underworld, will retrieve my soul from the underworld, and then bring it back and put it in this clone. And then it will, for, again, all intents and purposes, be me with all the memories and emotions and experiences I had, my quote-unquote soul will inhabit this body. Very, very cool idea, just for the reason that it uh, gives them the opportunity to take people from different time periods and move them around, willy-nilly-like. The reason they decided to bring Skilganon back is because there is a prophecy. <sighs> Fantasy novels and prophecies. Why must you always do that? That would be my, I think, one strike against this book is the prophecy. Uh, I'm kind of a little disappointed in David Gemmel that he went the prophecy route. It always seems kind of, I, I don't want to say easy, but the fact that it's in a just goddamn myriad of fantasy novels and series that there's a prophecy chosen one, you have been foretold, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I, I need something different. 
They need something different. It can be done, and it can be done well, and this is done and done well. But it's just so much, so often the, the whole prophecy thing comes into play that uh, I kind of don't like it anymore. Anyways, the prophecy that Skilgannon is back on the globe to fulfill is to take down the quote-unquote Eternal. The Eternal, who is also a reborn, who we don't learn right away. Technically, we don't learn right away. Although, right off the bat, you'll make the assumption, and it will be correct, that this reborn is the Witch Queen. The Witch Queen, who, if you remember our last talk, or I will love you if you read along with me, you will know the Witch Queen was Skilgannon's former lover, and just like he's totes in love with her, basically, despite the fact that she's pretty evil. Uh, and corrupted by power, I think, is a way you could look at her. So she's been around for a couple of hundred years, say 400. That may not be accurate. And she's been, basically, when you boil it down, taking over the entire globe through not in very nice means. But, to be fair, if you are going to take over the globe, it's probably hard to do it in a nice manner. <laughs> if there's going to be some mean and evilness involved with it. So, that's where our story is at. Now, uh, this girl, this witch queen, has been around for a couple of, let's call them incarnations. And by that I mean she has cloned herself, and then has it set up so that if she ever dies, her soul is automatically transferred to one of these reborn clones. Huh? So, uh, how do you kill her? You don't, when it's set up like that, basically. Skilgannon decides that the only way to put a stop to this madness is to travel to the Temple of the Resurrections, which uh, was in the last book, and basically do as Gordon Ramsay would do in A Kitchen Nightmares and shut it down. Shut it. Shut it down. I will, in mere moments, have to stop and get myself a coffee because I'm goddamn exhausted. So... I will edit that portion out for the reason that I love you. And then we'll be back to see what else this book has to offer. Ooh, I don't know why I'm doing a ghost sound. Through the miracle of magic of editing, you do not know what I'm actually doing. I tell you I'm stopping to get coffee. However, the possibility exists that I'm going to pull over and knit myself a pullover. Anything could happen. Even crazy things such as that. Editing now. Editing. 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 The road again. That was the On the Road Again remix. Thank you for that voice box. I think that may have been a record for the quickest I've ever gone through that drive-thru. It was like as if they had psychically read my brain as I pulled in and got my stuff ready. Pretty impressive. Uh, oh, you know what? On the note of the Timmy Hortons that I uh, stop at about once a week on my drive into work, uh, I haven't seen Jordan in a very long time. The lovely and talented and busty Jordan who uh, normally helped me at that Tim Hortons. I think maybe she doesn't work there anymore. And that thought saddens me greatly. I will miss you, Jordan, and more specifically, your giant boobs. 
She will be missed, and so will she. Okay, so uh, further interest of this book comes in the fact that there are reborns also in the form of characters from past books that had nothing to do with Skelganon's uh, exploits. Specifically a, I suppose we'll call him a bad guy, or at the very least a not very nice guy, uh, Dekado. Uh, he was, I think, in one of the very, very first, or maybe in a couple of the first. He's the one who started uh, the source priest temple called uh, the Thirty, which was basically warrior priest. He is and continues to be in his reborn form, the sort of fastest swordman, swordsman that has ever existed, basically. So a bit of a badass that you don't want to mess with. Not that Skilganon is not, but uh, I don't think as far as sword sword fighting, nobody can ever mess with uh, Dekato. Also, and this is awesome, is uh, Druss. Druss the legend. He is reborn, however, uh, it's almost as if, and it, and it doesn't happen too many times, happens at the end and, uh, and once in the middle, he doesn't feel it's right to take over the body of this young man. That, that's dress for you. It's so honorable that he has the chance to live life again in a brand new body, but doesn't want to steal the body from the person who is inhabiting it, that sort of idea. He does, at the end, during the sort of final battle, come back, just because he knows this is the final battle. So if he doesn't take over this body and show friggin' the army that they're fighting against who's boss with his giant friggin' axe, that uh, the guy will die anyways, so... Very, very cool. And then there's uh, a member of the good side, another freaking witch queen. Yeah, although she's not inhabited by the witch queen, she's just her own person, but looks exactly like her. So that's obviously hard for Skilganon to kind of work with her and not think that the, you know, it's the love of his life. So very, very cool idea. Further just throwing in craziness to this book is the fact that uh, joinings or as they're called in the future, which this is, uh, gems, which are basically were-beasts. Often wolves, werewolves, and I, I think I've mentioned whenever I've mentioned that, they're not technically werewolves, it's not like a full moon, silver type thing, it's just the melding of humans and animals, which I suppose is were-beast. Kind of, yeah? Anyways, there's a friggin' shit ton of those roaming around, which is another one of the reasons why Skilganon wants to shut this temple town down, because uh, it will also make creating these things impossible. Very, very cool parts in this involving a man by the name of Stavut. He's just a sort of a merchant, kind of roly-poly from his description, not a fighter by any means. He ends up, I don't even know how you would explain this, sort of going wild, I, I, I think is maybe a good explanation, and uh, by that I mean his, his sort of a band of a band of people who have been kicked out of their homes because it was burned to the ground, and uh, then they are waylaid by a group of these gems, joinings, werebeasts, whatever you want to call them. He bravely or stupidly says to them, I'll tell you what, <laughs> and this is kind of the merchant in him, I guess, I'll tell you what we'll do. Don't kill all of these people and eat them, and I will show you how to hunt deer. Because despite the fact that they're incredibly powerful, they're not as fast as deer. Almost by accident, he manages to teach them how to hunt deer. 
And then they sort of, from that point on, treat him as a pack leader. Leader of the pack. And uh, he kind of goes a little crazy, a little mad, a little uh, loco, and ends up, over the course of the book, having more and more of these werebeasts join his pack until he's got, like, a hundred and change of them following him around doing his bidding. So I like that. And because he's sort of that roly-poly merchant type, obviously he's on the side of good, so ends up almost reluctantly, because he doesn't want his his pals, his buddies, his packmates to get hurt, joining with Skelganon for, as we say, the final battle. Yeah, the final battle is good in this. Two armies, of course, the good guys, and this is what I think David Gemmel does best, is uh, the good guys being incredibly vastly outnumbered. But they have heart, and they have good on their side, so they always seem to uh, persevere. Although that Stavut guy uh, did die. Spoiler uh, alert. And that was sad. So you have, in this final battle, Skilganon for a little bit. He has to leave because he's got to enter this temple and shut it down. Then you have Druss the Legend inhabiting a body of a young man that is basically his body, but, you know, reborn. Then you have Stavut and all his joinings. You have, oh, uh, I didn't even get into this. You have uh, what is sort of remaining of the Drenae people, the sort of last remnants of them. They're, they're still a proud people, but there's not many of them left. Luckily, they stumble upon the Armor of Bronze, which is from the very first book of this series, Armor of Bronze, that was sort of saved by Waylander, so kind of tying everything together in this. Awesome. So Skilganon makes his way into the temple, and uh, kind of cool little timey-wimey stuff here. The temple was being attacked by the Eternal, so what the, the temple folk decided to do was basically kind of pull it out of time. So it has been moving in time much, much slower than the rest of the world. So uh, about a thousand years have passed, or something like 500 years has passed. I don't know, a shit ton of years have passed, but within the temple, it's only been 15 years that have passed. So there's still some remnants of its former inhabitants. However, a lot of them have been sort of mutated melded together, so uh, Skilganon's got to battle his way through that, which was pretty cool. I was like giant mutated animals and stuff like that in my fantasy. Uh, another thing I like in my fantasy, and I think I mentioned this last time, is the thought that I think a lot of this is not so much fantasy as technology. It has that sort of feel of technology left behind that these people believe is magic. A lot of that comes in the form in this novel of what feels like radiation. So people sort of feeling the tingle of radiation and then dying from, like, sores and stuff like that. Skilganon, because he's sort of uber badass, I, I, I think I might put Waylander as more of a badass than this guy. Yeah, I think I would go that. But still, you don't want to mess with this guy. He does end up winning the day, shutting it down, no more transformations can take place, no more joinings can be made, and hopefully this will bring about uh, an era of peace and harmony on the globe for a goddamn change. Uh, one thing interesting, this is the last book in the Drenae ser saga series, 
but I think there's actually more books that sort of take off from this point, which maybe, Jordan, have a, have a look into that, because I kind of think that is the case. One of the evidences of that is that the Witch Queen at the end of this novel may still be alive. We don't know 100%. There's that sort of little almost wink at the camera if this was a movie to indicate that that is the case, but we don't know 100%, that kind of idea, which I like. I, I like the, the, the not knowing necessarily if shit's going to go awry again. Folks, we did it. Book Wednesday done. All on the drive to work, just as I planned. Mission accomplished. It's nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Live long and prosper.